It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John McDermott. Hey, everybody. It's a great day to talk about some X-Wing. And we are back with another entry into our Essential Starfighter series. Uh, This week, we wanted to tackle a Starfighter that both me and John have a strong affinity for. So we are going to talk about the TIE Silencer. Yeah, and we figured this would be a convenient one for us to talk about since, like you said, Tim, you and I have flown quite a bit of them, and it's also our first first order ship that we're going to cover and our first elite fighter we're going to cover. Yes, and we figured, um, well, first we figured we should talk about something that Carson's an expert on, so when he listens to this, since he couldn't be here this week, um, he'd get really frustrated, and then we decided we should probably just talk to something we're really passionate about. So, as much as we're passionate about upsetting Carson, we're more passionate about the Tide Silencer. And who knows, maybe he'll learn something from this episode. He will never learn anything from us. Fair. As always, we'll start this episode off by uh, kind of doing a refresher on the ship type we're talking about. So uh, we've covered, did a whole episode, a whole series on all the seven essential ship types in X-Wing. This essential ship type, the Elite Fighter, you can listen to episode 219 of Radio TCX if you want kind of a full layout of what an Elite Fighter is and examples from every faction. But we'll give you the abridged version here. It's funny because this one wasn't that long ago and it was our last ship type that we covered and we were talking before the show about how little we remembered actually talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, it was really not that long. It was less than a year ago too, but um, this category is interesting. So uh, elite fighters really do stand apart from the other six ship types because elite fighters are a category defined by pretty much all the ships being unique and being exceptions to everything else, even to each other. Yeah, so of course the ship type, you know, they have a lot of common traits, but each different elite fighter has, you know, something that makes it tick a little bit differently, something it excels in over even the other elite fighters, which makes it probably one of the most interesting ship types. Yeah, and the characteristics that they do have in common are pretty broad, but they are consistent across all the elite fighters. So the big first one you have to talk about is that elite fighters are very expensive point-wise. Yes, uh, the the only ship type that probably costs more than an elite fighter are you know big base you know like battleship type things, um, but yes, these guys are very expensive, and it's not uncommon to see even the small base elite fighters cost more than other medium and large base ships. And uh, there's there's kind of an obvious reason for that too, because in a lot of cases, being a small base is a huge advantage. So when the elite fighters that have all this functionality get to also be a small base, you do have to pay for that too. They're a little bit harder to hit, a little easier to maneuver. Um, but elite fighters are typically really high point values. It's not uncommon for an elite fighter that's well equipped to fall into the you know it could easily pass the 100 point thresholds a lot of them start below that um, but once you start throwing upgrades on there in ordinance these things could surpass 100 points they're usually going to be a, at least i'd say at least a third of your list usually around that number but with that higher point cost you get a lot of built-in functionality either in action economy or chassis abilities or pilot abilities so you don't even need to invest many more points into them for them to be good they're already just good at their base cost 
And stat line-wise, you're going to see consistently across all elite fighters. They do have a high offensive output, so you're going to see, obviously, at least three attack dice because that's kind of a baseline for good offensive output. And a lot of elite fighters are going to have options for secondary weapons. So if you want to go even further, throw a proton torpedoes on there or something, you're going to have the ability to do that. And then on the other side of that, you always see strong defense and survivability um, through a multitude of options. You've got high agility, so it's not unreasonable to see a lot of elite fighters have two um, often three green dice and then mid to high hit point values uh, somewhere between five and eight generally consisting of a decent amount of shields uh, to hull ratio so maybe like two to four or even like three to five in some cases and you know it's funny as we go through every category here basically we're just describing every category in x-wing and talking about how elite fighters are good at that and that carries over to their dials and their action economy dials for elite fighters are typically going to be of the highest quality in the game second only to probably interceptors which tend to have the best dials just because they thrive by repositioning and that's how they survive um but you you get a close second here with elite fighters you're also going to see great action economy. So elite fighters typically have a great selection of actions, and they're also probably going to have you know good linked action options. And then, of course, each ship type you know is special in its own right, but there's usually something extra special about the elite fighters, whether that be some kind of mechanic that other ship types don't have access to or a really unique chassis ability um, or something that just complements the fact that they are a more unique elite fighter. Right, and like that is very clear. Each elite fighter feels very separate from other elite fighters. So even though they share a category, they are very distinct from one another. And that brings us to talking specifically about the TIE Silencer. So the TIE Silencer is one of my favorite elite fighters, honestly. I love this ship. Uh, it's got such great pilot options, and it's just it's very entertaining to fly. And I think a part of that comes from it being good at pretty much everything. Um, elite fighters are good at everything and TIE silencers are a prime example of a ship being good at pretty much everything. Yeah, they're just so cool. They're good in the game. They look good on the table. Um, I personally am a big fan of the new skinny silencers. I think they just look so sharp. Um, but it is a very intimidating starfighter in this game. And like you said, it, it literally does everything well and kind of starting off looking back at our kind of breakdown of the elite fighter uh it has three red dice and access to those secondary weapons so it's got an amazing amount of attack power you'll also see it has great defense three agility and six hit points with two shields and four hull amazing it is crazy fast and has a spectacular dial um one of the i mean this dial is ridiculous in that um for a ship that can double reposition having access to all the blue standard maneuvers at two speed and then a five blue straight is just crazy yeah, I mean, all of its straights are blue, which is really good. Um, and, you know, it has the ability to do that double reposition because it's got the ship ability auto thruster, so it can do that initial booster barrel roll and then link it into a red booster barrel roll action. So it can double reposition and basically not worry about what it's going to have to do next turn. It could do the classic tie interceptor blue too hard, or it can just get out of dodge with that five blue straight. And of course, we'll talk about the pilots here, but uh, Kylo Ren in the TIE Silencer gives you access to the Force, and any ship that has access to the Force does have a pretty big advantage because it's such a powerful mechanic. Um, I, I think a good place, though, and probably where we'll spend the majority of this episode is talking about the pilot options for the TIE Silencer uh, because there's some really strong stuff here, um, and it's which is good for a faction like the First Order, which doesn't have the widest selection of ships, even thus far, where we're getting new ships all the time. 
Um, it's got a pretty limited selection, but if you're seeing a first order list out there, there's a good chance it's going to feature at least Kylo Ren in it. Yeah, and he's a good place to start. Uh, you know, he's got two force on top of the amazing selection of things that being an elite fighter gives him. Yeah, and he can spend one of those force, of course, to use his I'll show you the dark side ability. Um, after he defends, he can spend one to assign the I'll show you the dark side condition, which allows you to pull a pilot crit out of your opponent's deck, and the next time they suffer critical damage, they're dealt that crit. So it's a really good way to kind of cherry pick you know, what punishment you want to dish out to your opponent. And a big part of what makes the Silencer good is access to that Auto Thrusters ability, which um, is you know, obviously the same ability we see on the TIE Interceptor, which in a lot of people's minds, I think you can look at the TIE Silencer and feel like it is an Interceptor. And there's a strong argument for that. I think when we were categorizing these back in the day, um, it's very easy to see like, oh, this just looks like a, an upgraded superior TIE Interceptor. But there is something about, uh, to me, I, I don't know what it strikes me. It's really the hit points, I think, are a big part of it, where the TIE, the TIE Interceptor is so inherently fragile over on the Empire side, whereas the fact that you have the six hit points with uh, you know, the TIE Silencer, it just makes it feel so much stronger, so much more durable, where, yeah, you can, you can lose out on a couple shots and have some bad rolls, and you're still going to be a presence on the table. Yeah, those two shields help a lot. You know, you can mitigate some really bad early damage, um, potentially, you know, taking a crit damage on those shields instead of on your hull. And, you know, like you said, the Interceptor being inherently fragile. I mean, it just has to take two hits to be, you know, below half health. And you actually have to get into the hull, you know, past the shields of this ship to get half points on it, which, you know, requires a little bit more work and diligence. But yeah, it just, and with those three green dice, just feels so durable. And with access to, you know, the focus action, the double reposition, and Kylo having force, like, it's a pretty defensible ship. And, and Kylo's great, too, because obviously the defense is great on Kylo. You do have the what is maybe the one weakness for the TIE Silencer, um, which is that they can't take an evade action, which would be crazy if they could. Um, but that's really where the weakness in their defense comes, where under a weight of fire, even a ship like Kylo, who can have a focus and two force charges, um, a blank is still a blank there. So if you can get enough attacks in and get enough hits generated, eventually Kylo or any TIE Silencer will take some damage. Um, but Kylo does help mitigate that, obviously, by having access to the force, where you've got multiple points of modification so you can potentially endure multiple attacks. You're still going to have to depend on your repositioning, though, even with Kylo to avoid... You know, you can take maybe one, maybe two shots in a round. You really want to avoid any more than that. And we'll talk more about specific loadouts later, but one thing that I think kind of sets Kylo apart from a lot of other Force pilots is that he's actually pretty um, susceptible to any of the Force upgrades. Uh, like, there aren't really any that are terrible on him. I personally like either Extreme Maneuvers or Hate myself, but there's an argument that can be made for a lot of them and why they're good on Kylo. You know, you've got instinctive aim because he's got access to the torpedo um, and missile slot. You know, you could do brilliant evasion for a little bit of extra defense. You know, you've got a lot of different options you can take with him um, or take none. He doesn't really even need a force talent. You know, at 76 points, he's a little bit more expensive. You know, you've got to pay that force tax, but he's I-5. He's got access to that double reposition. Like, he's, he's a force to be reckoned with, even at his base cost. And I think that's a good example, too, of elite fighters like we talked about. You don't need to load them out very much to get a lot of good value out of them. And I have totally run Kylo without any upgrades, and he's great. Where, you know, with the double reposition and the access to the force, he feels like he has upgrades even when he doesn't. 
He's and I would say about Kylo too. I I don't know if I'd be inclined to say he's the best force user because there's a lot of great force users in second edition. I think he's one of the most well-rounded force using ships because he does offense pretty good. He does defense pretty good. He's good in so many different situations where he maybe is not going to outshine someone like Darth Vader in the TIE Defender with the crazy offense uh, or Obi-Wan over in the other sprite, you know, being able to repeat focus tokens across ships. But he's going to be good at Kylo's going to be good in most situations, at least a little bit. He's never going to be a hindrance to you. And as much as we could go on and on about Kylo being an amazing pilot, because he is. Um, there's another very good Initiative 5 pilot in the Silencer, uh, Blackout, who is not a Force user, but has a lot going for him as well. Yeah, so Blackout's great. He's got a very cool pilot ability. Obviously, he doesn't have access to the Force, but he kind of makes up for that with some crazy offensive power. Blackout's ability, while you perform an attack, if the attack is obstructed by an obstacle, the defender rolls two fewer defense dice. That's so good. I mean, we see that ability somewhat translated, you know, by the Rebel Wedge, both now in the A-Wing and the X-Wing. That just straight up reduces your agility, um, which, you know, in some cases might be better than this. But this ability is so good. I mean, at I-5, you're going to be moving pretty late in the initiative activation sequence. So that means you have a good chance where you can reposition to try and line up the shots so they actually pass through obstacles. Um, and that actually works both ways. So it's good in that you're going to be able to do more damage because your opponent ends up rolling fewer defense dice than they normally would. Uh, but also, generally, you're going to be putting yourself in a position where you're going to get the defensive bonus from the obstacle. So not only are you going to have a higher damage output, you're also getting that extra defensive boon. Yeah, and with that ability, it makes him a pretty obvious candidate for the trick shot pilot talent. You know, when you are making an obstructed attack, you get that extra offensive die which you know with their base attack of three dice you know four is pretty great and you know he can use that also on a secondary weapon so if he's got a proton torpedo loaded up on him you know that's it's a five shot proton torpedo with your opponent having reduced agility which is really really good you're probably going to do damage to that ship yeah, I feel like Trickshot is one of those, you know, stapled on upgrade cards. It's kind of like with the uh, new Wedge in the A-Wing now, where I feel like I'm going to run out maneuver on him every time, because when it works, it works just so good, reducing agility by two. Kind of thinking about, you know, Blackout with this ability, um, you know, we got that new config in the Sky Strike Academy pack that just came out um, that replaces their auto thrusters ability and replaces it with sensitive controls, which allows you to boost your barrel roll it's red, of course, but in the systems phase, which actually might give Blackout a little bit more of an edge because then he can actually position himself in front of obstacles and not have to worry about it as much for the following turn. Right, because you could really aggressively barrel roll in front of an obstacle where it, normally that would impede a ship because they'd fly over the obstacle, but you just do that control beforehand and barrel roll in advance, and then you just clear it right away. So you get the benefit from it. Um, without taking the penalty of flying through it. Obviously, you won't get a token then, so that would maybe be the holdup. Yeah, there's some utility there. I'll try it out. Absolutely. I, I feel like if any ship's a good candidate for that um, new configuration, the standardized config, um, it would definitely be Blackout. Other great pilots, though, as we get further and further down the initiative line, uh, let's talk about Rush, because Rush is a newer pilot, and he's really interesting. Yeah, so Rush actually comes in at Initiative 2, um, however, has a really interesting ability. While you are damaged, treat your initiative as six. And this isn't the first time we've seen an ability like this, um, but it's really interesting on this chassis. 
Right, because um, uh, what's the other example? It's a Tie Fighter, right? Where it can it gets a null in the FO, right? Right. So um, you go from zero to seven or something. Yeah, like that. which is cool. And like having the initiative seven seems really interesting. Um, why this is particularly interesting is because the initiative jump is so valuable on a ship that can double reposition. Where I mean, the Tie Silencer at the lower initiatives is solid. I run the generics; they're great. Um, but obviously, you're not getting the full benefit of the double reposition because you're moving at such an early initiative. Um, so they work great as blockers, but you're not going to outmaneuver many people. Rush switching that mid-game, going from a low initiative ship, which is just a pretty good value, to uh, an initiative six repositioner, which you can't otherwise get in the TIE Silencer, um, that's crazy powerful. And we'll talk about the generics a little bit down the line here too, but Rush comes in at 57 points, which if you've got the points in your list and you're looking to kind of fill it with something good without investing too much into it, Rush is great. I've flown him without upgrades just kind of as a filler ship. And I mean, he is still a silencer, which makes him intimidating in his own right. But, you know, that ability can, you know, give him a little bit of that AC feeling once it gets triggered. And, you know, it's it's a good little filler ship. I like it. Um, You know, there's an argument for taking, you know, rush if you've got the points over taking a generic, but uh, I like him. I think the ability is cool and he's a reasonable price and probably has some good utility in a lot of lists. Uh, a couple more pilots. These ones don't, uh, I don't find them quite as compelling, but we do have recoil with the ability. While you are stressed, you may treat enemy ships in your forward arc at range zero to one as being in the bullseye arc. Um, I don't see the appeal as much for this ability. It's a little more situational. There's still some cool stuff he can do. Recoil does have the talent slot, so uh, one great way you could use this is you could throw on a bullseye-focused talent like Predator or Marksmanship, um, where normally it's kind of hard to line up those bullseyes, but when you get into a situation, you can double reposition with Recoil using auto thrusters, take the stress, and then if you're close enough, suddenly you can use your Predator anywhere inside of range one with your forward arc rather than just in that bullseye. He is an initiative four, which is nice. Um, I don't think that makes him better than the first order test pilot at all. Um, But for the same cost, I would still rather take Rush. They're both 57 points, and I just think Rush is better. The other named silencer pilot, I guess to kind of just brief over here, is Avenger. He's an initiative three silencer with the ability after another friendly ship is destroyed, you may perform an action even while stressed. That ability is okay, but one of the things that I think makes the First Order a little bit more unique is that it has the light fighter and interceptor and elite fighter capacity of the other factions, but with slightly more durability in the form of extra shields or better actions. So, I mean, yeah, you might lose a TIE fighter here or there, but they're going to be around longer, so you're not going to get as much utility out of this ability um, before maybe even he is destroyed. And generally speaking, you're going to have, like if you're running TIE Fighters, you're going to have fewer First Order TIE Fighters than you would conventional Imperial TIE Fighters, just because of that price gap. And at 56 points, again, I would rather just take Rush at 57. Yeah, you should pay a little extra. Or the generics. I Actually, both the generics are great. I think the um, I-4 First Order Test Pilot is a great option, um, relatively inexpensive um, at 56 points. Um, so, you know, falling close to Avenger there, again, Rush might be your first pick, but it can depend a little bit situationally on if you just, like, you kind of play the middle of the middle of the road, right, where, like, oh, do I want the two that's sometimes a six, or do I just want to go middle and always have a four? Right, and I think there's an argument to be said for the First Order test pilot probably being in the top five strongest generic pilots in the game. Uh, I flew a lot of them when Second Edition first came out, um, I flew two of them in quick draw, 
and they come in at 56 points. So it's actually the same as Avenger um, with, you know, a higher initiative. They've got the talent slot. So I really like two of these with fanatical and advanced optics. Uh, And you're not putting too many points into a really, really solid middle initiative, you know, ship to fill out your list. And two of them is really great. You know, you've got that double reposition and all that other action economy for a reasonable cost. So I, I would highly recommend to anyone that, you know, is considering flying first order or hasn't tried the first order test pilot to, uh, to do so. It's very strong. Also very cool here. You have a very low initiative option, the Sinar Jameis Engineer, which is an initiative one pilot, which the standout feature of this one is that it comes in at only 48 points, which is a whopping eight points cheaper than the next cheapest option, uh, which means obviously because it's that below that 50 point threshold, you could run four of these in a list. You could even run four of them with the sensitive controls config if you wanted to. Uh, yeah, which would not be a like that is a reasonable list. You're probably not going to win any big events with it, but you might have some fun at you know some store level stuff. All right, so now we get down to kind of talking big picture again about the Tie Silencer. We've talked about why it's great. Now we want to look at just a little bit of what what role does this ship serve in your lists. Yeah, so you know we started out early in our pilot discussion talking about Blackout and Kylo, um, and they're really, really strong pieces that you can build a list around uh, first order wise. So you know we talked about how you don't even have to put that much into Kylo, or you can make an extremely threatening, dangerous Blackout, um, and then fill in a round with either you know other generic silencers or Tie SFs or Tie FOs. Um, these guys are just really, really good centerpieces. But at the same time, you can always just use a pair of these. So like if you do a pair of the, you know, first order test pilots or the Sinar Jameis engineers, those will also work as kind of like the complementary pieces to a third ship. Um, like you could do a major Von Reg or something and fill in those last couple points and take a bid. Um, so this ship kind of works both ways. So it can be that centerpiece or it can be the complement. And really it's pretty strong either way. It's a very adaptable elite fighter. You know, you look at, I guess, kind of just looking at the tie defender maybe as a comparison Um, you know, obviously we've got Vader now and he'll be the centerpiece in any list, but I feel like even in, you know, a list where you see maybe, uh, Colonel Jendon and two defenders, as an example, even though those two defenders are low initiative and you've got Jendon to like throw out the target lock economy, I still feel like the defender is the centerpiece of that ship. Um, which makes it obviously, you know, a little less adaptable, whereas the TIE silencer can fit pretty much any role. It can be a filler. It can be a centerpiece. It can be a multiple generic support, um, which, which is just really cool to see as the elite fighter. So we always like to end by looking at uh, some potential builds and lists for you to use the TIE silencer. So we have a couple examples here. John and I actually each built a list. Um, so mine is kind of straightforward and this is kind of a variant of, um, lists I've run before. Actually, I think I pulled this one mostly from, uh, the last star championship I played at against Daniel Wachnick. Uh, he was running, I think it might've been this or something very similar. Um, I think it was this one actually exactly. So this one's Kylo Ren with instinctive aim. So you can fire your secondary weapons by spending a force charge instead of their normal criteria. Advanced optics. So you can spend a focus token to change a blank into a hit on an attack and proton torpedoes. Um, and this, this got me off guard the first time I played against it, where really all you have to do is just point Kylo vaguely in the direction of the enemy ship. Doesn't matter if they're high in, higher initiative or not. And um, if he's got force and a focus, he's going to do a lot of damage with those protons. Yeah, I like that loadout a lot. Um, 
this is not the force talent that I have on my Kylo. But again, you know, we talked earlier about how he's very adaptable with that slot, specifically being a good contender for pretty much a majority of the force upgrades. But I really like the offensive ability of this one because um, pretty much no matter what you do, you're probably going to have a really, really solid offensive turnout with those proton torpedoes, which just makes Kylo, you know, already dangerous with his primary attack. But that secondary weapon is just going to hit like a truck. Yeah, and I like to complement this build of Kylo with just four Epsilon Squadron Cadets, or you could just do like three of the Zeta Squadron Survivors and the TIE SF, whatever your flavor is. Efficiency-wise, the four Cadets, though, works out pretty great. So you can fly a little mini swarm, so your opponent has to decide, do they try and, you know, shift all their attention onto kind of a flighty Kylo who can just run away uh, and let the Cadets roll in, or do they focus on the Cadets and give Kylo free reign? So kind of a hard decision point for them to make. It's a really great example of a good first order mid range list. Yeah, good starting point too if you're if you're new to the tie silencer. Yeah, even if you're just new to the first order, you know, you picked up a lot maybe online and just don't know what to fly. This is something really good to try. Uh the tie FO is really good as opposed to, you know, its Empire counterpart. You know, it's got that shield, better actions, and Kylo's just super fun to fly. Um with my list, I went the more AC route. Um, I also have Kylo Ren, but I took mine with extreme maneuvers, so he can spend that force charge to execute his boost maneuvers with the one hard instead of the one bank. Um, I have Major Von Reg in the TIE BA Interceptor with Daredevil, so similar result. Uh, he can do the hard boosts, treating them as red, and then I threw in Rush uh, with no upgrades. Yeah, and this list is great because it's you've got a lot of mechanics actually going on, and you've got some themes there with the hard turn boosts. Yet all these ships are pretty simple in their loadouts. Like Rush just straight up works fine on his own, and then Kylo and Von Rig with just one upgrade. That's really all they need to be effective. I just the time on target with this one is really good, you know, having those hard boosts. And, you know, each of these ships is a threat in its own right, so you know, I guess depending on who you are, maybe there's not an obvious target. But I mean, if you ignore Von Reg, that's fine. He's an I six. He's going to get in and do damage. If you ignore Kylo, Major Von Reg is going to do the same. And if you want to do damage to Rush, like congratulations, you just made another high initiative AC elite fighter. So, um, you know, choose your battles. But what I think is fun, Tim, is that both of our lists came out to one ninety four points exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that's the range we need to be. So you guys know, if you hear we're flying first order, you just have to beat 194. Or just run some more sixes. All right, so there you have it. Our look at the TIE Silencer and why it is an essential starfighter to the X-Wing game. We want to hear from you, though. Why do you like the TIE Silencer? Who's your favorite pilot? Um, especially if it's not Kylo. I want to hear arguments for that. Um, yeah, let us know on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash RadioTCX. You can like us while you're there. Please consider going on iTunes and leaving the podcast a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you really enjoy the show, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radiotcx and supporting our show directly. We really appreciate everyone who's backed us so far. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.